You're listening to Culturally Speaking. This is Janice. And this is Neha. And we're here to talk about all things cultural. Okay, so welcome to this week's episode. We've got a really fun episode, I think, this week. We've got a guest joining us. So welcome to Julia. Um, Thank you for joining us on Culturally Speaking. So Julia is half Polish, half German and now lives in London. And today she's going to tell us about St. Andrew's Day. I'm not going to attempt to even pronounce it in Polish, but Julia, over to you. Um, Thank you very much for being here. Um, Hi, and thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you about Andrzejki. Um, the reason I chose to talk about um, this particular festivity is because I do find it to be one of the strangest ones we have um, in Poland, especially in terms of how it's celebrated. Um, so let me just get right to the celebrations and what I am actually talking about. Um, so Andrzejki is the night of St. Andrews. Um, so some of um, some of your audience might be familiar uh, with St Andrew's Day because it's uh, he is the the patron of Scotland, so the day is heavily celebrated in Scotland. But um, the day is also celebrated in many countries um, that are Christian. So it's specifically the night from the 29th to the 30th of November, and Basically, it's a celebration of the last night where you can have some fun before Advent starts. And um, I suppose maybe just a quick um, a quick intro on what Advent is. Um, it's the 40 days of uh, basically fasting that is um, that is celebrated uh, in Christian churches. Um, prior to Jesus's arrival, um, Jesus's birth. So you're about to enter Advent, so 40 days of fasting. Um, so of course you want to have a last night of um, of fun. Um, this is really interesting because we had an episode on carnival in yeah. Brazil and across the world, right? Because it's the same thing. It's the last hurrah before you enter that very frugal time where you traditionally spend more time in like prayer and you eat more simply and you focus your energy and your time towards thinking about, as you say, the coming of Jesus. So, ah, I did not know that St. Andrew's Day was also related to that. Yeah, yeah. And when I when I actually listened to your episode about carnival, I, I wanted to see what kind of maybe commonalities there are, but um, really there, except for the actual reason for celebrating, there isn't much more in common because the way it is celebrated <laughs> especially in Poland is um it's not with a massive party uh, or dressing up it's quite an outdated way of celebrating um, um so yes uh, it usually falls somewhere between the 29th and and, and 30th or maybe 28th and you know uh, 30th of November um because essentially it's it's the last um, it needs to be the last day before Advent starts, um, so before the big countdown. And Advent is typically four four Sundays long, so four weeks. Yes. So yeah, depending where where that's going to where where essentially Christmas Day or Christmas Eve is going to fall. 
and the way I remember being celebrated is hopefully no longer the way it's still celebrated, uh, because I said it's quite an outdated way. But basically, um, what St. Andrews is all about is um, it's a celebration for mainly unmarried women. And the way you, you celebrate the day is through matrimonial fortune telling um, rituals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, you must imagine um, Julia, six years old in kindergarten, trying to find out uh, details about her future husband, <laughs> being encouraged by my kindergarten teacher. Right, you have to tell us all. How do you actually go about figuring out who you're going to marry? So it used to be for unmarried women um, or well, girls, as, as already said, I even celebrated when I was six years old. Um, of course, that expanded then into for, for both genders. And there are different ways of, yeah, there are different rituals. So one, uh, quite an old one that... I don't think even my mother probably remembers, um, but it's um, it said that um, the woman should fast all day and then pray to Saint Andrew um, before she goes to bed, and then she will uh, her husband come to her as a vision in her dreams. Okay, so that's that's one way of, of fortune telling, of finding out who your future husband will be. Um, and um, then we have some other more gamified and um, yeah, gamified rituals or, or celebrations that, that everybody can partake in. Um, so let me try to explain them as, as well as I can. <laughs> um, one of them is about pouring hot wax, ideally through a keyhole. So of course, probably take a larger key to to be able to pour the wax so you pour the wax into a bowl of cold water and um once it's once it solidifies you you take out the wax and you um you turn off all the lights in the room and you um you turn on one light uh behind the the shape of wax basically to make sure that it will cast a shadow onto a wall or onto a sheet. And then you will be reading from the, from whatever shape you see in the shadow, you will be reading the characteristics of your future partner. Okay. This is, this is very, this is very elaborate. (laughs) It is quite. And I think especially when you think about, the fact that five-year-old kids are doing this with their kindergarten teachers, um, well, at least used to do it um, when I was there. So, yeah, it's quite elaborate. And just the, I think the reason for doing that is also just a bit strange. And just kind of ingraining that idea of, you know, pursuing marriage um, from such an early age uh, just strikes me as a bit odd. I would say these days, but um, still funny, I suppose. Yeah, I, I wonder how much it has to do actually with superstition because people in Poland are also extremely superstitious. Um, you know, the, the typical stuff that you know, the black cat crossing the street, I think it's from left to right, 
Therefore, you have to spit three times over your left shoulder. And I, I do those things. I still do those things. As Even in London? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't walk under ladders, uh-huh. actually. But for me, I think I just avoid walking under things that look like they could collapse on me. <laughs> I think that's a good rule to follow <laughs> in life in general. <laughs> I do find it funny that we keep doing these traditions that we're not even quite sure why, but we just keep them up mm. and nobody can quite explain why. <laughs> I think it's a, it's the idea of better safe than sorry, isn't it? So we, we haven't proven that they're not true. Yeah. So if it's not too much of a hassle, then I'd rather not tempt fate. I think that's my kind of thinking. Remember, I was telling you again in that Chinese New Year episode, I avoid doing things in fours because four is not a good number yeah. in Chinese. So, um, yeah, I mean, so far it hasn't hindered my life, avoiding the number four. Mm. Why rock the boat, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think um, actually a joke comes to my mind. Um, anyway, the story goes like that. Um uh, I don't know, young Janice was going to bake a cake, right? And um, she she takes the recipe from her from her mom, and and when you finish the cake, it's in a rectangular shape. But when you finish it, you always cut off the edges of it, okay? And she starts to wonder, gosh, why why on earth would you cut off the edges of a perfectly perfect cake, you know? So she goes to her mom and asks, Mom, why do we cut off the the edges of the cake? It's like, oh. Actually, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's been like that in our family forever. Go ask your grandfather. You know, she goes to the grandfather and says, Grandpa, why do we always, you know, cut off the, the edges of the cake? You know, he's like, oh, I don't know. That's, that recipe has been passed down for generations and generations. Go to your great-great-grandmother. Uh, so she goes to her and it's like, look, I've been really wondering why, why do we cut off the edges of the cake? And she just says, oh, my baking tray was never large enough. So it came out like that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's, I think it perfectly illustrates just certain things we do. Just don't even question it. But if it's in the tradition, just just do it. Um, but I guess some traditions might... Um, it would be good to challenge them because I think if I were to send my my future children um, to kindergarten right now and, you know, they would tell me that they are doing these, yeah, matrimonial fortune telling, I, I don't think I would, I would be very keen on that. <laughs> um, let me tell you about another game that we used to play um, as part of that, that day. So... Um, everybody would take off one of their shoes and essentially you start on one end of the room and um, you you kind of put one shoe in front of the other and you keep moving the shoes forward until one of the shoes um, hits the the opposing wall of the room so whosoever shoe that is is going to get married first <laughs> okay does that not depend on who has bigger feet? <laughs> That's a very, very fair challenge. <laughs> Again, yeah, these things are not exactly scientific. <laughs> but um, what I 
what I find interesting about this one is that, you know, as w when we were talking about the wax, okay, that tells you at least the characteristics. I don't know, the job, the, the hobbies, how, how your future partner might look like. But this one is not even, has nothing to do with how that person will be. Just the only aim is to be the first one to get married, um, which is just quite shocking. And is this because people put a lot of value on marriage? Like, because, mm -hmm. you know, for example, in Chinese culture, if you're not married, you know, we're all too old now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're all too old, yep. <laughs> Well, it's like the concept of being on the shelf, right? Uh, yeah, which I mean, no, cannot, cannot agree with that. <laughs> but is that why Julia then people want to get married? The first, like they want to be the first person to be married. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, traditionally, and I think it, yeah, in many cultures, it's you know when. I don't know, you go visit your your family, your aunts, your uncles, you know, usually one of the first questions still is, so, you know, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Oh, how long have you been together? If it's more than, you know, a year, then, well, why are you not married yet? <laughs> so, yeah, I think definitely there's been quite a lot of value or pressure, actually, on getting married. And I would say that's loosening right now, but but it's still there. It's still there. And I think gradually, you know, a lot of these traditional hopes and ideals must be changing or will eventually be forced to change because, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's lives are so different now compared to, I guess, the more standard path from older times. And... And I think, yeah, like Neha, as you said, 20s, I think is a key age when you should be getting married. But if you look at 20-something-year-olds now, I, I don't know that many people who are, I mean, I do have friends who are happily married, you know, from even age 26 or something, and, you know, good for them. But I just think maybe we're all a bit more relaxed about it now. Like, our timelines have changed, I think. Well, also, people live a lot longer than they used to do, say, three or four generations ago, right? People live well into their 80s, so there is that. 100%. And I think even now, you know, unfortunately, I think what celebrities do, do form some kind of social norm for us now. And you are seeing more and more examples of people having kids, you know, in their late 30s, even 40s, and still being completely fine. Mm. So I yeah. think the perception has changed. I mean, you do still get, you know, if you go visit a grandma, they will still be like, okay, when are you getting married, blah, blah, blah. But I think people are changing, I think. So then the next game then, apart from trying to pick our future husbands, <laughs> what else do you do? Um, you try to figure out, um, so now that you know, of course, what the characteristics of your future partner are, now that you know that you might be the first one to get married, you of course want to find out more about their name, right? So um, what you will do is you will take an apple, you will peel it and you will try to make the peel as long as possible right so you're going around the mm -hmm. apple with your knife then 
you throw the peel over your left shoulder. Okay, <laughs> important. Okay, left shoulder. And Yes, and once it lands on the floor, you look at the peel and you try to figure out what letter it has formed. And that would be <laughs> the starting letter of your future hubby's or wifey's name. This is amazing. Wait, surely it can only be a C or an O or an, a V or an L. Those are very specific letters. Do you mean those yeah. are the only shapes that can be made through one continuous yeah. motion? But it's it's a sh okay fine an S but it can't be a T. It depends on your interpretation, you know. <laughs> okay, fine. Does it have to be a red apple or a green Ooh, apple? Good question. I would imagine, given it's November, it's probably red apples. Wait, so all of these are you meant to do just one off when you're a kid, um, or you can do it as an adult? As an adult as well. So you would do it every Saint Andrews. That's what you do. But if it didn't work the first time, <laughs> surely it doesn't work twenty years later. You mean if you didn't get married and if you didn't get married at the age of six? <laughs> no, like if if you got so let's say you did this for the first time when you're six, right, with five mm -hmm. friends, and actually mm -hmm. someone else already got married instead of you. <laughs> surely that already means it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being like a party pooper here. <laughs> Why don't you call it Poland? <laughs> I wonder if you were to compare, you know, the matchmaking of, of apple peel and hot wax shadows versus <laughs> um, one of the more popular, I don't know if we should be naming any of the dating apps. Um, all of the apps, right? Like all of the ones that are very yeah. widely known yeah. <laughs> and used. I mean, you could, you know, compare the um, how effective... It is, because at the end of the day, right? It's... it's all probability and chance, I think, is what it yeah. boils down to. Because I I wonder how much of it, like Janice says, in the back of your mind, you're conscious of it, and how much of it is just a case of, I don't know, maybe there are a lot of boys that have names beginning with a particular letter of the alphabet mm. in Poland, you know? Like, in the UK, like, maybe there are names that are equivalent to, like, James and Thomas, which are used very, very mm. widely. So we figured out who's going to get married when, what letter their yeah. name is going to begin with, and then what do you um, do? Yeah, I wish there was some nice finishing ceremony. I mean, there are so many games you can keep going. Another example is, well, you, where you could actually, you know, you could even narrow it down. So you could say that I am going to get married to someone in this very room, um, so what happens is that everyone writes down their name on a piece of paper, okay, and then everyone gets, like, holds, uh, um, sorry, picks a piece of paper from, I don't know, a hat, let's say, and you pierce it, you pierce the paper with a needle, but not from the, from the blank side, and then um, you keep doing that until you pierce exactly through a name of, um, of, uh, of an eligible partner. Um, and that might be then the person or the full name of the person that you will marry. So you can you can go really really narrow and very focused with that. Um, and yeah, I mean if you're you know ready to get married, age of six, you know off you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like okay, so uh, this is my cue for a hilarious moment. Probably <laughs> not as funny for the other person, but actually when I was 
I want to say five. So that's when finish or when I finished kindergarten. And we had this, I don't know what, if it was the same for you guys, but we had this big like school production because it was, you know, graduation mm-hmm. and everything. And so, um, story for another time, maybe even a private <laughs> conversation, <laughs> but, uh, it was about, um, it was about the environment, right? This production. Mm-hmm. And I was a bin bag. Um, I remember this so clearly. <laughs> I'm more worried about the kinds of productions that you had in Hong Kong, to be quite honest with you. Like, you couldn't have just stuck with a nice little, like, <laughs> play. <laughs> but good, you know, good shout on the environmentalist. Were you kind recyclable? Of propaganda there. Yeah, no, the whole point was to talk about um, um, what to do with rubbish, like, how should you deal with different kinds of rubbish. It was There was a whole story about it. I don't remember the story, but Anyway, I was a bin bag. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of the play, I remember so, so clearly this little boy in my class. Remember, I was five, uh-huh. maybe even younger, maybe four. And this little boy had a buzz cut. I think his name was David. I don't remember his full name, but David, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> he came to me with a flower and asked me to marry him. Oh. And I took the flower and ran away. Like, I, I feel so bad. I mean, as an adult. Um. Did, did David not learn anything about where flowers should go? They don't go into the bin bag. They go to the compost, no? <laughs> Why is George jealous? Oh, I also love that this has had an effect on you 20-something years later. No, I just really remember, like, oh, God. That's what I mean. It's a very vivid memory. Yeah, because <laughs> this bin bag and gets, David and the flower. Their first proposal at the age of five, after being a bin bag in a play. It's, <laughs> it's not the most flattering thing, is it? Did you ever have the like a primary school wedding in the church where like they make it into an exercise and they teach you no, that about like how cult. the wedding happens in wow. the church? No, like it was part of our. I went to a Christian school, but. The vicar comes in to talk to us. It's like four weeks. Everybody gets to dress up and play a part. There's a bride. It's a groom. There's bridesmaids. There's flowers, Janice. Um, and then, yeah, the priest tells you all about no, it. No, that's weird to me. No, we just played weird, you know, weird games. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there's something that we always ask on Culturally mm-hmm. Speaking to all our guests whenever they're celebrating a holiday or a tradition. Food. What food do you eat on this day? And is there anything special or specific about it? Um, I would say it's this is probably the only holiday where you don't have any special food. <laughs> probably the, the <laughs> apples are left over from peeling, you know. <laughs> what do we do here for St Andrews? We don't, we don't do anything, do I'm we? I'm not Scottish, unfortunately. I think... It, it is celebrated for sure. Okay, what? Do, let me Google this. What do you eat on St Andrew's Day, according yeah. to BBCGoodFood.com? Mm. Baked haggis. No, thank you. Very Scottish. I like haggis. Uh, neeps and tatties. Very Scottish. Yeah. Highland beef with pickled walnuts and puff pastry. Um, Ooh, muscle bacon and brie tartlets. So these are not like the traditional foods, by the way. This, I guess, these are like their kind of recommended recipes 
relevant to St Andrew's Day. The Cullen Sink, mm-hmm. the fish soup, that is also one apparently. Okay, well, if we're not going to talk about foods that we eat on St Andrew's Day, Julia, can you tell us what your favourite Polish food or meal would be? I have to go very stereotypical and um, say pierogi, dumplings. Mm-hmm. And my favourite one. Amazing. You are definitely fit in here <laughs> yeah. because we love dumplings of all varieties. Yes, it's the best. I mean... On that note, thank you very much, Julia, for joining us. We've had a lot of fun talking about all the St. Andrew's traditions. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Culturally Speaking with music by Kevin McLeod. Please rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're on. Get in touch with us on Instagram at Culturally Speaking Podcast or via email. You'll find all the details in our show notes. Tune in next week for more culture. Until then, stay cultured.